Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Chandler Stevens grew up in a family of 16 children in the heartland of Florida in a town called Lake Mary. Her siblings included 14 adopted children from a wide range of backgrounds. Coming from a large family provided her with a unique perspective on life and instilled in her the importance of love, family, and unity. After her first semester in college in Florida, she decided to follow her heart's calling and headed off to Nashville to try to break into the music scene. Since moving from Florida to Nashville to pursue her dream, Chandler's songs have achieved over 6 million streams on Spotify. The range of emotional tone in her singing can be soft and soothing or forceful and powerful, and her lyrics and melodies connect with audiences because they're based on real-life experiences and human vulnerabilities. In this episode of Backstory Song, she discusses these songs and the new work that she's currently releasing. Welcome to Backstory Song. I am your host, Doug Burke, and I am so pleased to hopefully introduce everybody to an artist who I have high hopes for and think has a great, bright future, Chandler Stevens. Chandler, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So Chandler, you come from Florida, from the Orlando area. Yes. You are one of 16 children. Did I read that right? That's right. (laughs) And your work that we're going to talk about today um, seemed to me very personal and, you know, somewhat autobiographical and perhaps confessional on some of the songs, but very much rooted in that life experience of having grown up with 15 siblings. (laughs) Yeah, it was a, it's a lot. I mean, for sure. (laughs) Take me back to the beginning. When did you start writing songs and why did you start writing songs? Well, I mean, when I was like in high school, I wanted to start writing just because I was experiencing things in my life and like writing it down was an outlet for me already. And I was like, well, maybe I'll just try to write a song about it. I mean, they were all awful. They were not good songs. (laughs) But I think that's how it started for me, was just writing down my feelings and being like, oh, I could make a song out of this. And then when I moved to Nashville, I feel like that was such a big part of my whole journey was just writing. I wrote a ton and I learned a lot because when I was in high school, I didn't really know much about it. I just kind of started writing down my feelings Then when I moved to Nashville, it just developed into a whole new thing. Well, the Nashville songwriting scene is uh, 
you know, famous, and we've had many of the Hall of Famers, frankly, from that on our show, and you know some unknowns too, and people we think people should get to know. talk about can't stop love has achieved several million plays on spotify i think you're over three and a half million plays today uh hopefully after the show everybody will go listen to can't stop love and the rest of the work of chandler stevens and you co-wrote and co-sang this with kane brown and i guess nathan montgomery so tell me about that well i met kane through the person i was working with at the time and it just seemed like, I don't know, a good fit to write together. So we brought Nate Montgomery in, who is one of both of our friends, and just started writing a song. I'm trying to, I think it was Nate's idea. I'm trying to remember because I wrote, I wrote this one a little while ago. But yes, it was Nate's idea. He came in with the idea and then he kind of based it off of Kane and I's personalities at the time because we were writing it as a duet for both of us. It's kind of how that came about. So. It was just like, oh, the good girl and the bad boy, you know, like it's like perceived the perceived bad boy. Right. And a story that a lot of people, I think, go through when they're in high school. I mean, whether you're dating a, a boy your parents don't like or a girl your parents don't like. I mean, it most of the time happens to most teenagers. <laughs> so I feel like this song is just something that came about from that. And it's something I feel like a lot of people could relate to. I think it's a universal teenage experience and parent experience. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Every parent like has concerns about their teenagers and dating, you know, which is a universal part of life that starts for many in the teenage years, you know, is a big wild card in that equation. And, and Kane with his voice is sort of the perfect bad boy. Yeah. Yeah. Good boy, bad boy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good boy, bad boy. Yeah, yeah. Well, just like this, the line, it's like, your mama never liked me, but I didn't much care. Like, it's just kind of like, mm, 
like, you know, I'm the rebel. <laughs> well, and so many teenagers don't care what their parents think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's part of being a teenager, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and especially your girlfriend's parents. Like, you don't even care what your own parents think. Oh, yeah. You're like, you? Really? <laughs> no, that's funny. What I like about this song as a duet is the way you two trade off not just verses, but sublines, not just lines, but portions of lines. And you come in and out in harmony to give an emphasis to the harmonies that really is powerful. Thank you. How'd you think about that? How'd you think about creating the harmonies with Kane? Well, I guess just based on in the second verse, we were like, which one, like, we want this to be a duet and we don't really want it to be just, oh, the girl's singing the second verse and the guy's just singing harmonies. So we thought it'd be a good idea just to go back and forth because we wanted it to be like, you know, this is, this is a duet. It's not just like, you know, how some, um, it's a duet, but the guy's always on the harmonies. We wanted to give life to him being a full part of the song also. And you did. I think it captured it nicely. I really like the way you bend the notes in certain words, like it'll be right there when you ain't strong enough. The word right, the way you like bend that word. Tell, tell me about that. Like, where does that come from? Do you, did you write that like by design or does it just, is it intuition? I mean, we wrote it with the melody like that, but I guess the bend in the word just is when you're in the studio and you're feeling a certain, you know, way singing the song, it just kind of comes about. I feel like it just, you're singing it and you're like, oh, I really loved that take. I loved how I did that bend. It's kind of just out of the blue. It doesn't really like, we didn't write it that way. It just kind of ended up being where I sang it that way one time. And it was like, well, that's the one that we really like. <laughs> it's very intuitive for you, isn't it? You're just such an organic performer. I sing it how I feel it, you know? So it's, that's how it's going to come out, however it comes out. <laughs> you sort of just sing from the heart, it feels like to me, which makes your music and your songwriting so natural and organic and universal. It's just really, it's fun to listen to. Do you feel like you sing from the heart, the head, or the, the mind? Where, like, or is it different on different songs? I feel like the heart mostly. People can tell, you know, they can tell if you're just up there just singing the song like, oh, I'm getting through this, you know, and they can tell if you really feel what you're singing. There's a completely different vibe to it when I see somebody like Adele, for instance, and she's up there singing, you know, she's singing with her whole heart. Like she really feels what she's singing. And to me, that has so much more of an impact than just singing to sing, you know. I agree. I agree. And I also like the melody work, the nice half notes that you do after the chorus, which is like the theme of the song. You know what I'm talking about? It repeats throughout the song, but it's just like, like this thematic element of, and it's not trying to impress with a lot of notes, you know, it's just this really nice scale. Thank you. <laughs> did you write that or did Nate... How do you deal with the words and the melody? Well, it just depends on each right. And that right specifically, he did a lot of the lyrics. I did like 
a lot of the melody. It just depends. It just depends on the thing. He also did a lot of melody, but I was more the melody and not right than the lyrics. He was more the lyrics. He's a really great lyricist. Much of this album and this work that you're releasing is autobiographical. This one, was there a guy that your parents didn't like that you couldn't stop the love with when you were a teenager? I mean, I didn't really write it about me personally. Okay. So this is not one of the personal stories. Good. Good to know. Good to know. I just wrote it about a, uh, I mean, I'm not saying there, there wasn't somebody I dated that my parents didn't like. There definitely was, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't autobiographical. I didn't write it about that situation. So, <laughs> Well, Can't Stop Love. So great song and everybody should get out there and listen to it. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Let's talk about bet on you. This is autobiographical. Yes. You are betting on yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I am too. I'm betting on you. I think you're going to do well at your chosen profession. Thank you. So tell me about bet on you. Well, bet on you. I wrote with Kyle Reif and he's played guitar for me for a while now. I think like, I want to say three years maybe. And he started getting into writing about two years ago and he's a really great writer. So we just decided like, Hey, let's write a song. When we were in the writing room, I didn't really know. I came in with the idea, you know, and he was like, 
let's write something about moving to Nashville. I mean, he has the same, not the same story, but, you know, moving to Nashville from his hometown and betting on himself. So, I mean, we could both relate to the subject and, you know, the 600 miles from my home, we just figured out how far it was from Florida to Nashville and uh, went from there. And just the tagline though, the bet on you, we were just we were going around for a, a while, just like trying to figure out how do we say this where it's not just the like cliche thing you hear like, oh, follow your dreams, you know, that type of thing. We really wanted to have a tagline that really stuck out. After a little while, we came to bet on you. And to me, it was like, I was like, that's a great way to say that because when you you know, pack everything, follow your dreams, you make that leap, you have the courage to do that, you are betting on yourself. And it's not an easy thing to do. And I feel like just bet on you is like, believe in yourself, you know, bet on you that you could do it. I think it's inspiring. So you were at home near Orlando, Florida, and you told your parents you're going to go do this. And how'd they react? At first, I would say they were hesitant. They were like, okay. I mean, because at the time I was in my first year of college, I was actually studying psychology because I was going to be a counselor just going through, you know, everything I went through with all the siblings and them coming from different backgrounds. I was like, that would be a really cool thing to do. But I couldn't shake the feeling of not wanting to regret that I didn't ever try um, to do music. So I was like, this is what I want to do. And at first they were like, "Mm, I don't know, like moving away from home because my college was only like 50 minutes from home. Like I had never lived like that far away from, you know, where they were. And so they were very hesitant at first, but they came around and I moved in May of 2013, I want to say. So after my first year of college, moved up here and just tried to go for it. It was definitely different than I thought it would be when I first, you know, moved up here, but. What surprised you about Nashville? What what was different? Well, I would just say like, when you're thinking about, oh, I want to do a career in music, like you think, okay, well, on technology and social media has changed the industry like, so much. But I mean, even from when I first moved here, but when I first moved, I just thought, oh, it's like, okay, I go and play places and Maybe it's going to be like a industry people are sitting in the audience and like, oh, maybe I want to sign you. And then, but that's not exactly how that works. It is for some people, but I knew there was a lot of people here doing it, but I, I guess I didn't realize as much, you know what I mean? How, how much there would be in just, I love music, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough industry. So <laughs> why do you think it's so tough? Well, just because I feel like for me personally, I feel like it's tough because there are so many talented people. There's so much here and it's a great thing, but I feel like also it's hard because it's like, you know, you have to have that one thing, the one break, the one song, the one this that makes you go to the next level, you know, and to get that, to find that is difficult. It's a very hard journey, you know? So that's what I would say for me personally. I mean, I'm sure there's other people that feel that way, but. Don't give up. We want, we want to see you get that break. 
I'm rooting for you. I'm betting on you, as I said. Yeah, thank you. One of the things I like about this song, Bet On You, which is true for many of the songs on your new work, is, I guess it's Kyle's guitar work, but not just his. There seems like there's multiple layers of guitar sound, different styles of guitar, different types of guitar that are layered into this song. Is it a steel guitar and a lab guitar? What's he got on this? There's a steel guitar and he had someone else come in and do like extra after we had already tracked the songs. So I'm not sure exactly what it was, but I mean, my producer, Dan Frizzo, he brought this other guy in and it was amazing what he did with the guitar. I'm not really sure what kind it was, but. You know, I love the production on it. It has this sort of, if I can characterize it this way, this sort of Southern California, soft rock, dreamy sound that is so pleasing, but it's pleasing because of the layers, you know, it's not simple. You get what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I do. Do you ever like sit there and say, that's what we're going for? Or does it just come out? I feel like it just comes out. I mean, my producer, Dan Frizzle, on a lot of these songs, I mean, he's he's amazing. I mean, he has an amazing ear. I came in with, you know, the songs. And then I think also when you get in the studio with studio musicians that are tracking these songs, they're incredible. I mean, to a point, it's like I had, okay, this is the sound I'm going for. And then you just kind of sit back and let them do their thing and just like see what they come up with. And it's amazing. They're incredible musicians. So just let them do their magic. And then, you know, if you have a specific thing that you didn't like there, you just say, oh, I didn't like that, you know. But in this case, I mean, I loved everything they did in the studio. I was like, that's beautiful. Exactly what I would have done. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that is the benefit of the move to Nashville. You know, it's this mecca and has been for so many years. I mean, Bob Dylan moved there to record because of the session musicians he could find that he couldn't find in New York or anywhere else, you know, way back when in the 60s. And it started before him, way before him. And I think that must be intimidating for a young lady from Florida to go to Nashville and you've got this amazing voice, top of the field, top of the industry, but boy, there's a lot of talented people in Nashville, you know? There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of talented people. Which is good and bad, right? You know, so. Yeah. 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 Well, anything else you want to say about bet on you? I'll just take this time to encourage people to bet on themselves because I didn't want to make it sound like it's so tough, but you know, it's the reality of it, right? It's the best choice that you can make to bet on yourself and to follow your dreams, but it's not going to be easy. You know what I mean? There's going to be high points and there's going to be low points and you just have to continue to bet on yourself and realize like, I'm doing this because I believe in myself and I believe that I can do it. So the highs and the lows to so the highs and the lows, just tell, keep telling yourself that. I think that's great advice. And thank you for giving us this song. It actually inspired me. I was down in the dumps one afternoon and I started listening to Bet On You. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to bet on myself on this podcast that I can do this. And it's worked for me. And I hope it works for our listeners. Thank you. Thank you for the gift of your song.
talk about Would Have Gone Home in Drop D Tuning. Yes. <laughs> well, I wrote that with Nicole Miller, who is also an incredible writer. She's the one who actually decided to do it in Drop D and just a lot of more like open notes. So it's a lot fuller of a sound. We wrote it actually about an experience that she was actually going through at the time. Also another experience I think a lot of people go through when you're friends with somebody and you're afraid to say you have feelings for them, but you know they have feelings for you, but nobody wants to really put it out there because it's scary. And this song basically just puts it out on the table and just says, you know, I wouldn't be at this bar. I wouldn't be doing these things if I wasn't with you. So we should just be together. And why are we wasting time? <laughs> I really like this song because I felt it was like a song about a guy who doesn't get the hint. Yeah. <laughs> a guy who doesn't get the message, you know, and this is so true for guys and girls, men and women, you know, or any sort of relationship. It's like, who's going to make the first move? Like we're both feeling this thing. Like who's going to make the first move? But this is really a song, in my mind, from the woman's perspective Yeah, towards a guy. Like, dude, wake up. If you don't wake up, I'm going to... You don't say this. You don't go this far. It's like, if you don't wake up, I'm out of here. Like, you know, because it's not there. It's like, it's time for you to make a move, guy. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's the line where it's like, if I thought you didn't want me, then, you know, I'd find somebody new. But I know that you want to be with me. So... Like, come on, let's like realize what's happening here. <laughs> My favorite lines in the first verse where you say, wear in the dress you like, because I have a daughter and I have a wife and it's not wearing the dress I like. A woman dresses for herself 99% of the time. But in this song, it's not the dress that she likes. It's the dress that he likes. Yep. <laughs> She's trying to let him know, like, hey. This is not the dress I like. This is the dress you like. And that's why I'm wearing it. <laughs> Get the hint. Have you ever done that? <laughs> you know, I don't think so. I don't think I have. <laughs> you always wear the dress you like. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, not the dress some no, guy likes. The dress right? I like. Yeah, the dress I like. So this was more Nicole's experience huh, of being out there with a guy. And then you took it and blew it up into a song. Yeah. Did you ever meet the guy? I didn't. No. I didn't. Oh, okay. That poor guy is out there wondering what did he do wrong, right? <laughs> and he's not part of her life today? I'm not sure. I don't think so. I don't think anymore that they're... they're Man, <laughs> some guy out there just missed the call. Yeah. I really like the bridge and I really like the way you kind of have this moment of silence. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with space? in writing a song like that? When do you use it? I feel like when we wrote this song, there was some type of space. But I feel like when we went into the studio, it turned into something else. We left space there when writing it just because it's like trying to almost like dramatize it, right? Make it more dramatic. And I think that when we went into the studio, it just kind of evolved into something where it was like, this space needs to be here to do that, you know? Well, I really like this song. Would have gone home. Some guy out there missed, a, missed his opportunity. 
and he doesn't even know it, you know? Nope. <laughs> what would you tell guys on behalf of Nicole and yourself from this song? What's the message from the song that guys should take away and what they should do and how they should behave? And Because guys don't know how to behave in life, it seems like. In general, like sometimes guides are too in your face much, yeah, <laughs> too much. And, you know, this is the opposite. This is the guy who's not getting the message. Right. Yeah. So how does a guy find a balance in life? Like it's hard for us guys to figure this out. We don't understand the opposite sex. I don't, I, I mean, that's hard. I feel like just try to take hints. You know what I mean? Like read the person, you know what I mean? Like, cause I feel like in this instance, there were a lot of signs that he just didn't see maybe, or maybe he just was scared. I don't know. Maybe he was just scared to, to make that move, you know? So in this instance, particularly like if you're in this circumstance, I feel like if all the signs are there, all the hints are there, just make the move because she wants you to make the move. <laughs> so just take those hints and, and be brave enough to make that move. So is it a Southern thing that the girl waits for the guy to make the move? As I listened to the song, I was like, why doesn't the girl make the move if she likes the guy this much? Like, why doesn't she? Yeah. Like, we're in a modern world. Like, these are modern women. Why can't they make the move? Like, why does the guy have to be the one to make the move? I totally get that. Yeah, I feel like it is. I feel like it is a Southern thing. I feel like when people in the South grow up, they're taught, you know, the man's going to make the move. Like, don't chase. Don't be the woman that's chasing after the man. You know, don't chase after men. I feel like that's kind of what you're told. So it definitely is, I feel like, a Southern thing. Yeah, don't chase after the men, but wear the dress he likes and stick around for another round and, you know, do everything, but don't look like you're chasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I think either. I think in this case, you know, it definitely would be a different song and ruin the song, but the girl could have definitely made the move. So I'm all for that. <laughs> I want you and Nicole to write a song about like making the move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and putting the guy on his heels about yeah. what he's, oh my God, like yeah. <laughs> she's making a move on me. I've never had this happen before. Yeah.
talk about Sunshine State, which is Florida and your hometown, and obviously from the song, a place that's near and dear to your heart. And I don't know how many anthems there are about Florida. I had Blake Christiana on from Yarn talk about Carolina, one of his songs. I was like, this should be an anthem for Carolina. I think this song should be an anthem for Florida. Because I don't know, does Florida have an anthem? I don't, I don't think so. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. I also had Robert Landau who wrote Tallahassee, which is one of his favorite songs. I don't know if you've heard it. And he talked about Tallahassee on the show, but that's not Florida. That's not Sunshine State. No, yeah. So what, besides you having come from there, what inspired Sunshine State, this song? I really wanted to write a song about where I'm from. I wanted it to feel like Florida, you know, feel sunny and beachy and summery because when I think of Florida and I think when most people think of Florida, that's what they think. They think spring break. <laughs> I wanted to write it about Florida, but I think I also wanted to write it about being in love, you know, and kind of equivalenting that to the sunshine state. And no matter where you are, if it's raining or it's cloudy or you're having a bad day, you know, you always keep me in the sunshine state, always keep me where I want to be, you know, so it doesn't matter where we are or what's happening. I'm always there because I'm with you. I've spent some time in Florida and I think you as a year round resident growing up there would understand this better than I, but you know, most people only go to Florida during the best Florida weather times of year in the summertime. There is a thunder and lightning storm almost every afternoon. Like you could set your clock to it at like two o'clock and you know, is that right? Yes. There's always like random thunderstorms. Like you'll just, it'll be super sunny. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, thunderstorm. And usually they don't last like super long, but it does happen. And you're like, Oh, well, this is Florida. It's kind of like, you know, if you lived, I feel like just because it's so out, you know, and it's surrounded by water. It's like if you're on an island, it'll randomly be raining and then it goes away because it's just passing over. <laughs> right. Like Kauai is the rainiest place in the world. And yet it's Hawaii, you know, and it rains there almost every, like rains like 300 days a year in Kauai, but it's like a 20 minute storm and then it's it. And that's kind of like how Florida is in the summertime. And you wrote about that in the pre-chorus, I think. No, I'm never waiting for the storm to clear. Yeah, just, I mean, because it does rain a lot in Florida. <laughs> but I feel like no matter if it's raining, like you always keep me where it's sunny in 75, which we all know in Florida, it's not always 75. <laughs> Usually in the summer, it's 90 to 100, but. <laughs> yeah, but when it's 75, it's nice. Yeah, it's perfect. And I like the way you repeat sunny, sunny, and lucky, lucky as a rhyme in here. Did you do that by design? Like, well, obviously did by design, but like, where did it come from to do that? Well, when we were writing it, I wrote this with Eric Dodd and Mariah Dombey. And Mariah, I think, was singing it. She just added the, you know, sunny, sunny. Like, and we were like, oh, we love that. We love how she doubled it up. So we just kept it like that. The line that I really like in the song is, yeah, you move like a wave at high tide, taking me over, not a cloud in our sky. Mm -hmm. Because normally you'd say a cloud in the sky. 
Yeah. But because it's a love song, it's our sky. And that's like a personal thing because the sky is everybody's, but in this song, it's just two people. Yeah. <laughs> and was there a person that inspired that? Yes, my husband. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> does he know that? He does, yeah. So I ask this a lot on this episode, and I've had nothing but disappointing answers, I think, for the most part. When you played this song for him, like, how did you react? Well, he's also from Florida. So I feel like he had that connection to it as well. When I played it for him, I was like, I really love this song. And, you know, I wrote it about you. And he's like, he was happy that I wrote a song about him, I think. Because he didn't really say much. He was like, oh, I love that song. You know, it's a great song. Well, come on. You got to give me something here. Because there's obviously something here. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I feel like, you know, the sentiment of this song, right, is like you always keep me in the sunshine state of mind, you know. And I feel like sometimes in life, it's not that way, you know. And I feel like with us, I mean, he does always keep me in a good place. You know what I mean? I, that's why I wrote it. Even if things are bad, you know, if I have him, then I'm okay. But I feel like it doesn't always feel sunny. You know what I mean? So he was like, I love this song. You know, I love that. And I get the concept, but it's like, you know, sometimes life doesn't feel sunny. And, but it's like, you always keep me level, which is not sunny, but you know. <laughs> what I like about this song is it's a, it's a love song to the state you come from, but it's also a love song to your husband. And that's really kind of nice double entendre. Yeah. Most people won't know that it was a love song to your husband, but we broke the story here on Backstory Song first. Yep. <laughs> and you guys met in Florida? Yes, we did. Mm -hmm. At a wedding, our friends were getting married and we had to walk down the aisle together, so. Really? Yep. You both were in the wedding party? Mm-hmm. I think that happens a lot. Like, was it arranged by the couple that was getting married that you two would do that? Like thinking these two should go out. Let's make them walk down the aisle. I don't know if they wanted us to go out. I just think like it was kind of like they had other people in the wedding party that were already together. So they were walking down the aisle together and it was kind of like, oh, where do we put these two people? We don't really know where to put them. And so they had put us together <laughs> and it worked out. Really? And did you catch the bouquet? I did not. <laughs> I really like the way you go up an octave on Lucky Lucky. Because mm -hmm. kind of your ear is not expecting that. And, and do you think about that when you write songs? Like doing that kind of octave jump? Like you're such a great vocalist. It's so easy for you to maybe do these octave jumps. Thank you. I mean, a little bit. Yeah, I think when you write the song... You want it to flow really well. And in this particular case, I wanted the song to be as catchy as it could be because I wanted it to be, you know, a summer anthem song. So I think when we were writing it, we were trying to make it the melody as catchy as possible. You know, so the octave was just like to try to make it sound really nice and flowy and catchy. I also ask songwriters on this show about what I've learned from Jessica Poland Vaughn is called vocalese, where you just sing a sound. And in this case, in the chorus, sunshine, state of mind, ooh, ooh. Do you write ooh, ooh, or does it come out like when you're just singing the song? I, this is where an ooh belongs. Like, how did that come about? I think the ooh came out in this one because it just seemed 
like going from the chorus, because in this particular case, we had the chorus before we had the verse. So I feel like when it was coming out of the verse, the ooh just felt natural to be a part of it. And also the catchy aspect of it. Oohs are very catchy. You know, they're very like, very sing-alongy. So. I always feel like they come from an emotion because you can do oohs, you can do woohoos, you can do, you know, yoohoos, you can do all kinds of vocalese. And there's always an emotion in my mind as I think about asking these questions. Like, what was the emotion behind that ooh about the sunshine state? I mean, in this case, I feel like maybe a little bit. The ooh is you're happy, so you're ooing. That's the emotion behind it. Joy. Yeah. The emotion of joy. The joy of a 75-degree day in Florida, man. Doesn't get better than that. Yeah, like, ooh, this is great, you know? I'm happy. Ooh, ooh. Well, thank you for giving us the Sunshine State. raised by a working man and is it right for me to assume that this is a song about your dad it is yes i wrote this one i want to say six years ago maybe now i just wanted to write a tribute to my dad and just how he raised me and i mean i am who i am because of my dad so i just kind of wanted to give him something that was thanking him, you know, like I am who I am because of you. And thank you for that. You know, thank you for being a hard worker. Thank you for raising me to do the same. So I wrote a song about it. So tell me what kind of motivation was behind raising 16 children? Um, <laughs> like at the beginning, it was just when I was seven years old. My biological brother was mm, four, five. He's three years younger than me. I can't do math right now. <laughs> my parents knew this 16-year-old 
who had dropped out of high school and wasn't doing very well. And it was just like a family friend that they knew through somebody else. And my dad went to my mom and was like, you know, I want to help this kid. Can he move in with us? We can get him to go back to high school here. Like maybe we can help him out. So that's what they did. They had a guardianship over him. They never legally adopted him, but it started with that. And then after that happened, this um, Russian lady that went to our church, she had heard that my parents did that. So she was like, oh, I have these two kids in Russia that need to be adopted. Here's their story. Would you be interested? And my parents, they asked how we would feel about it. And then I guess it just kind of went from there. I think after that, they just kind of fell in love with helping, you know, these children and, you know, taking them out of the situations that they were in. So I think that it just kept going from there. There's a handful of lines I really like in this song, which lyrically I think is strong. I'm a little bit of brown eyed hell, fire me off like a shotgun shell. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit Southern bell like that. (laughs) That would be enough to scare most people off, but not your husband. (laughs) I really like, I'm an old school radio vinyl cracking on the stereo. I miss Loretta and the stories she told. And I assume you're talking about the coal miner's daughter, Loretta Lynn here? Yes, Mm -hmm. I am. Any particular songs that you were thinking of that, or that inspire you from Loretta Lynn? Well, I feel like coal miner's daughter, the song, I mean, it's so autobiographical to her. And I feel like, I mean, that song just, and, and like, all her sassy stuff too, like you ain't woman enough to take my man. She wrote her life. And I think that's why I love her so much. That's why I love country music so much because it is, it's true to people's lives, you know, and what they're experiencing and they write about it and then they sing it, you know, and they, so I feel like I wrote that because I love Loretta and I love that she just sang about her life. She was just honest and she's like, this is me and this is what I'm going through at the time. And sounds like you have an amazing father in the way he's given back to the world and helped so many people. How did he react when you played this song for him? He got to hear it right after... I had written it. It wasn't finished. It wasn't, I mean, it changed a lot since then too. But when he first heard it, he was a very humble person. I played this song for him and he's like, you know, wow, thank you. But he didn't want to really take credit. You know what I mean? That's just the type of person that he was. He passed in January of 2020. So he never got to hear it fully finished or anything, but the song now means so much more to me because of that. I don't know. Every time I play it, I'm like, I hope you can hear this right now. You know, I'm singing this for you. And Do you feel like you're talking to him? Yeah. I bet he's listening. <laughs> it's a connection. I can imagine it might be hard to actually play it sometimes. Do you ever cry while you're playing it? At first, when I tried to play it the first, oh, I don't know, year, <laughs> I tried to play it. I just would cry every time I started to play it. And I was like, you know, I just can't, I have to take this out of the set for a while. Can't play that song. But this year I've been able to play it. And in my head, I just, you know, I'm like, I'm singing this for him. I'm singing so people knew, you know, who he was and what a great person he was. So I have that in my head every time I sing it. I'm like, so 
you got to get through this. People have to hear this, you know? You know, this podcast was inspired by my dad who passed away after I told him I was going to, I was thinking about doing this and he encouraged me in that last phone call to do this. And it's been a wonderful process of grief resolution for me. Certain episodes in particular, the Even Stevens episode, because that was one of his favorites, the Rain Phoenix song where she wrote about her brother River Phoenix, who had passed away prematurely. And it really has been a wonderful journey of grief resolution for me Mm -hmm. and helping me deal with that. And I do feel like I'm talking to my dad sometimes when, you know, or he's watching me in some ways and I'm sure he's watching you. I'm sure your dad's watching you every time you play this. And if this can help you deal with your grief or it can help others deal with their grief, I think that's a great thing. Sugar High. Obviously, there's been a top 10, if not number one song, Watermelon Sugar High, since you wrote this. (laughs) But your Sugar High is a very different song. Yes, it is. I like this song. My daughter has a sweet tooth. And this is a song about, I think, a girl with a sweet tooth, right? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I wrote this with Kirsten and Courtney Roseman. And that day, I feel like we came in with a bunch of different ideas. I came in with ideas. They came in with ideas. None of them were really like anything that we wanted to write. She went to the fridge and got like a soda or something and came up with the idea of like sugar high. Like let's write something like I'm on a sugar high. And it just kind of evolved the whole time. I mean, they're both amazing writers and it just evolved into this love song, but it's like a sassy, you know, this is sassy love song. And it just kind of evolved into what it became. Was the soda an orange crush, which is one of my favorite flavors? I think, oh, 
I don't think so. Yeah. No, that's just a great lyric because like an orange crush yeah. is like a crush on a guy and orange is the Florida fruit from the Sunshine State. This is like, it's so Chandler Stevens, the orange crush metaphor. You're my orange crush on a Sunday. I particularly love that lyric. You're my pixie dust. You're my sweet tart, my raspberry jam in a mason jar. You're my your orange crush on a Sunday, my lollipop lover, my Kit Kat break. <laughs> I was like, how did you guys come up with that? Were you just like walking through the candy store looking for things to write about? No, I mean, just coming up with different candies and then you are like, okay, what rhymes here? What makes sense here? And then just putting them in there. And the mason jar is very country, you know, so I had to put that in there. <laughs> the raspberry jam in the mason jar, I was like, that is a Southern thing, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, but, you know, it's not universal. Like if you go into Maine, they have preserves. Preserves are everywhere. But you're my good, bad habit. Man, this song is, I've been jonesing for your lips to taste. Where did that come from? Like, I was wondering where the word jonesing came from. It's like, yeah. <laughs> After we wrote it, I was playing around with it. And trying to find like the perfect thing to say there. And I don't know, Jonesen came from just like, I'm thinking like, like if you're an addict and you're addicted to sugar, like you're Jonesen for it. Like you have to have it. So I was like, I think that word fits here. Dialistically, you do different things with your voice on this song than other songs. And in particular, the verse... It takes me to hazy, make me oh so spacey where you're supposed to be kind of stoned, I think. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, pretending that you're kind of stoned because that's the lyric. Yes. Like, how did you do that? Like, where does that voice come from? Or like, what motivates that? And what is the... I was trying to come up with the words to describe that voice affect, like, to, to ask you about it. Like, what do you call that voice? I don't think I really call it anything. I just, I was trying to make it you know, sound like the lyric, you know, like making me oh so spacey, like I'm feeling spacey. And I mean, it took a lot of takes to get there. I feel like we went through this song a lot of times to try to get it to where we thought it was the perfect, you know, the perfect amount of everything, because I wanted this one to feel, I mean, well, I want all of them to feel like the lyrics, but especially this one, because it's just so different. And I feel like very you want it to feel how you're singing. You know what I mean? Like you want you want people to, to think you're feeling the lyric. You know what I mean? Like everything you're saying in the lyric, you're actually feeling. So just kind of came from that. Yeah, you do such a great job of communicating feeling with your voice. And that's like a hard thing to actually talk about on a show like this is what the feeling is. So I guess that one is I'm feeling like you and I just got stoned takes me to hazy, make me oh so spacey. Yeah. And then at the end, you have, I don't know if you're using like a green bullet microphone, but there's a fuzz tone oh, type of yes. microphone on the last yes. part. How did you, like, how did you decide to do that? And what was it that you did? This, this was really cool. This is, that's probably my favorite part of the song, just because we were playing around with it. And then my producer, he grabbed like this old telephone type microphone like it's like a microphone that makes it sound like it's like an old telephone he's like let's just put this on and like have you do the last part with the bridge because originally when we had written it the bridge was only the bridge it wasn't at the end and he's like let's just try this and see how it turns out 
So he put that microphone on and we tried it and I loved it. I was like, this just adds so much more to the song. It makes it so much more, I don't know, like the whole vibe of the song is just to be kind of different, you know, and very like, like different sounding. And I feel like to have that at the end was just like, it it adds like this more, I can't find the word, but you know, like this, just this extra differentness, you know, to the, to the song. Like a change up. Yes. That- yeah. The song would be duller without it. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> Almost like a DJ, like a, a narrative overlay, as opposed to, it's still singing, but it's kind of more like talking singing. Talking, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool song. Thank you. One of the questions I always ask on our show is, if there's any voice other than your own that could sing any one of your songs has to be a living voice. Okay. What voice would you pick to sing which song that you've written? Very good question. This is such a hard question. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of all the people that I love and then like think of my songs and be like, okay, which one would I want? To... You can have more than one answer to this question. Okay. Too. Okay. I call this the pitch question, the song pitch question. Like you're a Nashville songwriter and you could pitch any one of your songs to any artist. What song would you want them to, which artist and what song would you want them to sing? I feel like Miranda Lambert, Sugar High. I think that, I think that she would crush that. Well, that's a good answer. I would like to hear that. I think that would be awesome. So how do you know when a song is done? Oh, that, I mean, for me, (laughs) how my brain works, I feel like a song is never done for me. (laughs) Even when I listen to my songs that I have, you know, already released or am about to release, I listen to it and I'm like, oh, well, I mean, maybe that, maybe that could be, you know, a little bit different there. For most people, they're done. But for me, it's like I would never put anything out because I would just keep nitpicking every little thing if it was up to me. (laughs) So are we going to see you perform live soon? I'm doing writer's rounds around Nashville, but I don't have any big shows yet. I don't have any, you know, full band shows or anything like that coming up, but hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. I imagine that your songs evolve when you get out in front of an audience for you, Yeah, mm-hmm. that they change and you see the audience reaction and that sense of perfectionism that you have kind of makes you tweak them into a direction that makes them evolve. They're always evolving. Like you said, in live performances, you can feel something different on one song than you did when you recorded it, just based on how people are reacting and things like that. I mean, just you feel different things when you're singing them live than when you're in the studio, you know, recording them. Interesting. Like just different emotions depending on the song or just. Yeah. I feel like if, for me, if people are reacting to the song, I feel like that makes me happy. And when I'm out there and I'm like, Oh, you know, they're really enjoying this. Maybe I'll do something different with this note than I did before, just because I'm feeling it in that moment. I felt that different melody or that different note for that, that part of the song. So 
Chandler Stevens, I have to thank you for coming on Backstory Song. This has really been terrific fun for me. And I really have high hopes for you. As I said, I'm betting on you. And I'm glad you're betting on yourself because that's where it starts. Is there anyone you would like to thank or is there anything you would like to promote or, or plug? Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. I love this. Sunshine State is actually coming out on June 4th. So be on the lookout for that. But besides that, yeah. And thank you, DJ Wyatt Schmidt in the sound booth. We love having you make our episodes great. And MC Owens at the Berkeley School of Music, who's our social media director, along with her colleague from the Berkeley School of Music, Lauren Withnall. And thank you to all of our Twitter, Instagram, 